0: welcome to What? It is a part documentary, part competition podcast. Well, usually, today is going to be a little bit different. My name's Ellie Main, and I'm a content creator and film producer based in Austin, Texas. And normally, every week, I'm joined by my best friend, Chelsea Harfouche. And we tell each other stories that we find fascinating. Basically, we do a book report for each other. Or sometimes maybe there's a third person that we banter with, or they bring a topic of their own. But today, I'm going to be holding the fort. A few months ago, Chelsea stepped in and did an episode by herself while I was snowed under with work, and I'm going to do the same for her this week. Also, by the way, I am literally snowed under. I'm in Colorado right now, and it is snowing. (laughs) I'm I'm snowed in, in fact, at the place that Miles and I are staying. I'm going to record an episode for you guys down here in the basement, so bear with me. I don't have anyone to play against, but I think I've got a really cool topic for you guys, and I'm really excited about it. It takes... 13 hours roughly to drive to Pagosa Springs from Austin and on that journey obviously we enjoyed lots of music and games but I got completely sucked into this fantastic podcast. It's on Audible, it's one of Audible's originals and it's called Job: Cracking the Case and if you've listened to it you know how mind-blowing this story is and I'm going to do my best to kind of give you the basics of it because I highly recommend you listen to that podcast. It's amazing. A journalist called Mark Fidel is on the ground interviewing people in California region about this fantastic story. But before that, I'm going to do five fun, fast facts. And I want all of these to be feel good. So we're doing five fun, fast, feel good facts. Bill Murray once drove a taxi cab so the cab driver could spend time playing saxophone in the back seat. The cab driver mentioned that he never had time to play his sax since he has to work 14 hours a day. Murray took the driver's seat though, so that he could finally play some tunes. Aww. Fact number two. And I've been on a huge Mr. Rogers kick recently because he makes my heart feel amazing. And so I want to pass it on to you. A number... A mother whose daughter was having brain surgery called the Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood studio to ask him for a signed photo. And after hearing about this, Mr. Rogers flew to the hospital to see her, his only request being that there was no press. (laughs) (laughs) This one's so good for us feminists. Number three. In 2019, a nurse set the record for the fastest marathon in a nurse's uniform, but was originally rejected by the Guinness World Records because she was wearing scrubs and pants and not a blue and white dress, apron and a little nurse's cap. And after backlash, they backed down and accepted her reward. Damn straight. Number four, researchers in Texas found that Brazilian free tailed bats have distinguishable syllables and phrases that they use as love songs to attract suitors. The sounds are made in a specific arranged pattern to form a song, and they're actually organized sequences within each phrase. They're made to attract nearby females. Number five, when the leader of Piplantri, a small village in Rajasthan, India, lost his 16 year old daughter in 2006, he decided to turn his grief into something beautiful. In order to ensure the village treasured each baby girl, since daughters were not traditionally valued as much as sons, he set up an initiative that sees trees planted every time a girl is born in the village. The new baby's parents also signed a legal affidavit confirming their daughter will receive an education and will not be married before she is of legal age. As of 2018, 350,000 trees have been planted in that area. And those are my five fun, fast, feel good facts. So this is about the nut heists in California. Central Valley is a flat valley that dominates the interior of California. It's 40 to 60 miles, which is 60 to 100 kilometers wide, and it stretches approximately 450 miles or 720 kilometers from north-northwest to south-southeast, inland from and parallel to the Pacific Ocean coast it covers approximately 18,000 square miles, 47,000 kilometers squared. About 11% of California's total land area, or about the size of the Dominican Republic, it's a pretty massive area of land. Products grown in California reach the furthest corners of the whole world, providing more than half of the fruits, vegetables, and nuts grown in the United States. also grows cereal grains, hay, cotton, tomatoes, vegetables, citrus, tree fruits, table grapes, wine grapes, all sorts of perfectly arranged orchards of fruits and vegetables and plants. In fact there's a high probability you've eaten an entire meal that was grown in the California region. But there's one of these crops in particular, as you've guessed, that dwarfs all the others in terms of agricultural monopoly and is going to be the subject of this topic. California produces 80% of the world's almonds, 99% of America's. It's the world's second largest producer of pistachios and walnuts. In fact, the California nut industry makes over $9 billion a year. Before I listened to this podcast, I'd never heard of ag crime, agricultural crime. And I certainly never thought that it was up there in terms of massive heists that were possible. You know, you might think that maybe banks or casinos are the places that you want to hit. Turns out there's a lot of money in nuts. You might not think that there's much to be gained by stealing a truckload of almonds or pistachios. A lorry load for our British listeners. But in fact, one truckload of almonds, for example can reach up to $500,000. Why are nuts so expensive? <laughs> that was the first question that I had to ask. So most popular nuts grow on trees, meaning one, yields are lower due to the space constraints. Harvesting is more difficult to recognize and harvesting is much more time consuming. Nut trees are much more high maintenance. They're very climate and soil dependent compared to something like peanut bushes. Also, nuts like cashews and almonds actually have poisonous shells which have to be very carefully removed. Sometimes these nuts have to be shelled by hand. So all of this yaks up the price so that a truckload of almonds could be worth $500,000. So when shipments of iPads or Nikes are stolen, there are serial numbers. It's all easily trackable. And so then when it hits the black market where it has to be sold because these are stolen goods, it has to be sold at a discount because of the risk of it being tracked. But when food is stolen, there are no serial numbers, no way to trace the items, the evidence gets eaten. I mean, take a pistachio out of its packaging and it's a pistachio. A private investigator and transit company owner from California named Sam Wadwani said that he had tracked cargo thefts of tires, Xboxes, computer equipment that was earmarked for the military, baby formula, tampons and iPhones, but it's almost impossible to track food. Between 2013 and 2017, over 10 million dollars worth of nuts have been stolen from the Central Valley in California. And we're not talking a stick-up at the orchards. We're talking sophisticated, digital, organised crime. Possibly involving Armenian and Pakistani terror groups though, I have to say. That's never been quite proved yet, so far as we know. So how did they do this? Well, it's all about something called load boards. What's a load board? It's a site that's kind of like eBay meets Indeed for truckers. I don't know about you, but I didn't know anything about the trucking industry until I started learning about this. So a load board, three types of parties will interact with a load board or on a load board. It's a website. There's a seller that works for a particular orchard or maybe owns the orchard. And they post, hey, I need a shipment of almonds to go from Central Valley to Portland, Oregon. Then there are brokers who sell those bits to big trucking companies. They're like an outsourced sales team. They have a network of sellers and a network of companies or truck drivers that they can develop relationships with and then everyone can get frequent jobs. I guess that's the idea, everyone gets a commission. But then there are individual truckers, people who own their own trucks outright who can bid for these jobs personally. Essentially, everyone makes a bid on the job of how quickly and cheaply they can complete the drive. The seller chooses who wins, obviously usually the quickest and the cheapest. So if you ever see a truck parked somewhere and the trucker on their iPad looking sweaty, they're probably bidding for the next trucking job. The nut thieves, for it is they, manage to make truckers commit crimes without them even knowing what's going on. Firstly, they create fake trucking companies that would win the jobs without the seller suspecting that they were at all sus. Inventing a trucking company is pretty easy. Sam Wodwani looked into vetting practices at a major brokerage several years ago and asked the company to describe its process. An employee said, well, we ask the trucking company to send documents. We pick them up off the fax and we file them away. We don't look at them. We don't read them. Pretty easy then to uh, get a fake trucking company to go through that, <laughs> that process. The fake company would find a driver with paperwork that was almost perfect, maybe a few digits off, some phone numbers off. Here's a destination, they'd say. And also, it's a cash job. You'll collect your money at the drop-off point. I'm guessing that's common enough to not arise suspicion. Off, the driver would go to pick up. They would arrive at the facility, everything would be in order, and the seller would start loading almonds into a truck without them knowing or the driver knowing that these almonds were never, ever going to reach their intended destination. The seller would happily load $500,000 to a criminal practice with no idea what was going on. By using private drivers, the thieves could make sure the route was untraceable. Trucks weren't uniform size or markings, so it would be impossible to monitor or do surveillance long term. The paperwork both ends would match. Yay, let's load up those almonds. Then, while they were on the way, the driver would get a call. Change of plan, you aren't going to Portland, we're so sorry there's been an error. We need you to go to LA, to the port. It's closer and we'll pay you even more for our fuck up. This would be a massively attractive offer to a truck driver. Most truckers don't make a gazillion dollars and they have families to provide for. So, mm, hang on, I don't have to drive to another state. I'll make more money and I'll be home sooner. Yeah, I think I can forgive this error. Keeping drivers in the dark makes it significantly harder for police to trace missing nuts. It's theft on a need to know basis. Because they drop off the goods, someone hands them cash, they disconnect the trailer, and they're back home for supper. Then, a little while later, another truck comes, picks up the trailer, and disappears. And no one knows anything until a few days later, when Portland calls and they say, Hey, where are my almonds? By that time, you call the number on the paperwork, and nothing. Phone's dead. The nuts are long gone. This went on for two years before the California Valley began to link these cases and realise that it's much more than just averting a lorry. When you look at the logistics needed to complete this crime, all signs point towards an organised group. You steal 370,000 pounds of almonds, you're not exactly going to sell it on the side of the road. Roger Isom, President of the Western Agricultural Processes Association, said that the situation is further complicated by the fact that many nut processors have avoided contacting the police when they realize that a shipment has been stolen, worried that reporting thefts could jeopardize future business. And not just the nut industry, the trucking companies, the shippers. They don't want to talk because they're embarrassed someone pulled the wool over their eyes. No one is eager to be the laughing stock of the nut industry. <laughs> Remember, $9 billion a year. One processor, in fact, concerned about publicity, tried hiding GPS trackers in its shipments instead of calling the police, and they still lost two loads to thieves. Roger goes on to say, It hits us right between the eyes. This is not anything we've really seen before. We've experienced 30 thefts in the last six months. That was in April 2014. It's strongly suggested that many nut thefts have originated with Armenian power, a criminal group that's active in the Los Angeles area and linked to a broader Russian organised crime network. One of the three men listed in a police report as being involved has a criminal history that includes convictions for burglary, assault and battery, criminal trespass, domestic violence resulting in injury, a second pleaded no contest to a charge of grand theft in 2014. And though no one has been charged with any crimes in the nut case, All of these, this group remains under investigation by the FBI. We're trying to go up the food chain, they say. the Problem is, if they happen to arrest a driver or a hacker who is inside, who knows about the operation, they immediately want to turn informant. And it's then up to the FBI or the police to decide whether a conviction is more important than information that gets them to the crime network behind this one driver. There are cases of drivers being arrested and suddenly having a $100,000 lawyer, which is some real Ozark shit. Something that's very interesting to this but not necessarily linked is the United States trade war with China or any country in fact that doesn't have a favorable relationship with the USA. Donald Trump in 2018 began setting tariffs and other trade barriers on China with the goal of forcing them forcing China to make changes to what the US says are unfair trade practices. And obviously there's also a tense relationship with a lot of Middle Eastern countries like Iran. So if California produces 80% of the world's nuts, that is going to make nuts ridiculously expensive in countries that rely on them for a lot of their food. So what they do is they kind of through trade with neutral countries. Countries like Australia and Vietnam will purchase nuts to a ludicrous degree for that country's nut industry So it's pretty clear that countries like Iran and China are importing Californian nuts through Australia and Vietnam. Nothing as yet has proved that this trade embargo has a direct effect on the nut heists. The stolen nuts end up in sometimes Canada, sometimes Mexico, and sometimes elsewhere in the United States, quite rarely abroad. In fact, a shipping security executive was asked who ends up buying these stolen nuts, and his reply was, you do, you just don't know it. Agricultural crime is not new to the Central Valley area, where the sheriff's departments of most of the major farm countries have officers dedicated to things pilfered from nearly 7 million acres of fruit, nuts, grains and vegetables. Over the years, thieves have stolen equipment fuel, irrigation pipe, copper wire, even bees. And in honour of last episode, I will take this tangent. Turns out honeybees are extremely important in the production of almonds. As we've sort of discussed, but I'll go into a slightly more detail, California's total armoured acreage has nearly tripled in the past 20 years, a spike due in part to the foreign demand, like we just talked about. At the moment, there are 1 million acres of nut-bearing trees in the state, with an additional 330,000 on track to start producing over the next four years or so. The trees produce well over 2 billion pounds of nuts per year, And they're really sucking down the valley's aquifers at a pretty rapid pace. Apparently, this growth has driven a near manic demand for honeybees, which are crucial for what's become the largest managed annual pollination event in the whole world. Beehives have never been more valuable. Every almond farmer needs two healthy colonies per acre of trees at an average seasonal rental price of around $185 per colony, and that number is expected to soar in the coming years. When everything goes right for a beekeeper, especially one with thousands of well-maintained hives, winter in California presents an enormous money-making opportunity. Towards the end of January, millions of hives arrive in California from all over the country. The bees live in boxes, which themselves are stored in stacks. They kind of look like fax boxes, covered with finely woven mesh during the transit. By the time they reach a staging area, sometimes a large field not far from where the bees will be put to work, they've been bumping around on the back of a flatbed for... Days at this time. Almond farmers inspect the hive, which are then moved into orchards by beekeepers and brokers who help manage the transaction. During the almond harvest, which, as we've discussed, is massively profitable, hives in California's orchards rarely are protected by alarms or fences, and equipping individual boxes with GPS trackers is ridiculously expensive. So beekeepers usually place their boxes just off remote roads. It's perfectly common for thousands of dollars worth of bees to sit largely unattended for weeks at a time, so if you work quietly, gently, usually at night, and you don't jostle the hives too much for fear of damaging the queen, it's pretty easy to steal a truckload of bees. Their value, after all, lies in the apparent health of the point of delivery to a farmer, so sick bees don't sell, so you've got to do this thing carefully. This sort of bee theft has been an intermittent phenomenon across California for years. Recently, the numbers have started to climb. More than 27,000 hives were reported stolen from 2016 to 2017, according to analysis of police records. In the three years before that, the average number of annual reported thefts was closer to 100. It's very lucrative business, says Isaac Torres, the agricultural detective. Yes. Yet at the same time, it's not just some guys who are breaking into cars or deciding, I'm going to steal some bees. (laughs) The thieves are cautious, methodical, likely skipping from orchard to orchard, stacking boxes quickly onto a truck at night. They're familiar with the ins and outs for transporting bees and keeping them healthy enough to rent out later. And this has a link with the nut thefts. It seems like, in order to perform such a gentle, delicate, well organized crime, there are some guys on the inside. Most farmers or CEOs of nut businesses don't want to think of the idea that there's someone in their factory, someone who really knows the process of how they sell business, how they sell their nuts and how they manage their shipments, that is fully aware and profiting off these massive nut thefts. Though the more and more the police investigate, the more it seems that someone has to have a massively intricate knowledge of how this whole thing worked to aid the organised crime factor of it into pulling off such successful thefts. So, to combat these incredible thefts, many orchards now have private militias who patrol the fields in bulletproof vests and AR-15s And although this does very little to stop the organised nut theft, the region is also now a hotspot for body dumpings, violent crime, other activities due to the pulls of the region. When Mark Fennell went to interview some of these guys, they said, you just never know what's going to be around the corner, and that's why we have this level of protection. The problem is that these militias are being watched. Whoever they are, they're watching, a member of this group said. They'll try it again. They know where we are. They figure out how to beat the system. And we just have to try and stay one step ahead of them. Well, that's my topic. That's the story of the California Nut Heist. And thank you so much for bearing with me as I told my story alone for the first time. I appreciate you guys so much for sticking with this podcast and um reach out to me through the WhatPod twitter at WhatPod or on instagram also at WhatPod w-u-t-p-o-d or you can reach out to me personally at ellie mainy on twitter m-a-i-n-e-y or ellie main on instagram and check out our website those2girls.club and send us a message because we always love reading those you guys are the best thank you so much for listening and we will both see you next week Mwah.